we'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for 10-12-08. 10-12-08. And today we're going to be doing a study on the coming or occurring global economic meltdown. And uh, this is a study I've kind of been waiting on to do. I didn't want to just jump on this as soon as the bailout package started happening. I wanted to be able to compile a little bit more information. And uh, we're going to be going over, I don't know how many different cited sources today. And although they present different angles describing this problem, they pretty much all come to the same conclusion. And the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses a thing is established, and we're going to have much more than two or three in regard to this issue. Now, I'm not saying the Lord Jesus Christ cannot intervene or things can't change. Okay, I am not a date setter and um, that type of thing. So, I just want to try to put out the facts that are out there currently uh, that are confirmed from various and different sources and, you know, you're going to have to make up your own mind in regard to this matter. Before we get into that, I'm going to go ahead and read some some quotes uh, from some people in times past in America and also some Bible quotes so as to establish a proper foundation to this teaching uh, because I want to make it, make sure it's, it's biblically grounded. There's a quote by Edmund Burke and he said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And in regard to a lot of these issues that we're facing, although yes, they are prophesied in the Bible, I'll large part of it is because a lot of good men have done nothing, or quote good men, you know. Whether they're really a good man or not, that that's between them and the Lord Jesus Christ, okay. Um, and apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not good, okay. The, the only thing uh, that I can see within myself that would be good is as a born-again Christian, having a reborn spirit and having the Holy Spirit living inside me, okay. In and of myself, there's nothing good within me. The Bible says, for we are all together as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do doth fade as a leaf. So, And then Andrew Jackson, in his farewell address on March 4th, 1837, said, You must remember, my fellow citizens, that eternal vigilance by the people is the price of liberty. Eternal vigilance by the, pri- by the people is the price? It doesn't say eternal vigilance vi- by the government. It says by the people is the price of liberty. And that you must pay the price if you wish to secure the blessing. It behooves you, therefore, to be watchful in your states as well as in the federal government. Now that quote is going to be very pertinent to what we're talking about today. So just kind of, these are things you might want to reflect back on as we, as we do this study. Patrick Henry said, The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, the brave. Those, in other words, those that have kept watch. Vigilant. They've kept watch. They've, they've, you know, they've been salt and light. These types of things. Daniel Webster, in 1834, said, God grants liberty only to those who love it, and are always ready to guard it and defend it. End of quote. Samuel Adams says it does not require a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority keen to set brush fires in people's minds. Now again, you could set brush fires of deception in people's minds as well. So you have to be careful. There, there's a lot of deception out there. And um, 
we want to make sure we're operating in truth. Psalm 94, 16 and 20 says, and this is God's asking this, who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? I mean, God's asking this question. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee? Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee? Well, we're going to see that I believe the 501c3 churches, they're having fellowship with the throne of iniquity. They're unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? Huh, that's an interesting statement. Which frameth mischief by a law? That's what we have going on now with the hate crime laws that are being enacted with all of this ungodly legislation that protects you know, the lesbians and the gays and these types of people. All of this ungodly legislation that's destroying the middle class, protecting abortion clinics, these types of things. Ezekiel 33.6 says, But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take away any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Well, that's a big reason I do what I do. I mean, I do want to warn people, yes, but partly it's out of fear of, fear of the Lord. Because I believe that I have to. I don't really believe I have a whole lot of choice. Not, not to say that God's... I still have free will, okay? But out of respect and fear of, fear of God, I have this ministry... It's not a popular thing. It's, it's, it's not something that um, is going to make me popular among men. But then again, the Bible says, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So that's not my goal anyway. Our lives as Christians are not popularity contests. In other words, John 9, 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Well, I think after we see the study today, we're, we're going to see how close the night may be. Ephesians 5.11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's what we're doing today. We're, we're, we're reproving the unfruitful works of darkness. We're exposing them. We're shedding light on them. Matthew 24.24, 24, If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. It's the time we're living in. And a lot of the very elect are being deceived. Why? Because it is possible. And they haven't been vigilant. There's an there's a, a attitude pervading Christendom um, that is very, very one-sided. Yes, Jesus Christ did, yes, say, take, take no heed for tomorrow, sufficient the day is the evil thereof, and these types of things. You know, and we're not supposed to go about worrying and wringing our hands about, about the current events, you know, and but there's also another side to that, and it's called having biblical balance. Where the Bible says, you know, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. And we're supposed to consider the ant, which lays up its harvest in summer so that it has plenty of food in winter. And these other verses that I just read, reproving the, the unfruitful works of darkness, knowing that if, if it were possible, they're going to deceive the very elect. 2 Corinthians 2.11 Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Okay, so we have to have a biblical balance at the same time. The Bible says, He who is spiritual judgeth all things. And when it says that, it's spiritual judgment. Judge righteous judgment, as Jesus Christ said. Not hypocritical. When you have a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brothers, that's when you judge not lest ye be judged. 
Okay? But he that, was, he that is spiritual, you know, judgeth all things. So we need to do this. And that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be looking at a subject and judging it and see if it bears witness with your spirit. Zephaniah 2, 1 through 3 says, Gather yourselves together, yea, gather together, O nation not desired. I believe this is very descriptive of, of the USA. And not to say there's not other nations it's not descriptive of. Gather yourselves together, yea, gather together, O nation not desired, before the decree bring forth, before the day pass as the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of your Lord's anger come upon you. I believe the Lord's anger is coming. I really do. And He has every right to be angry. And He's been so long-suffering and merciful, it's a wonder He hasn't brought down judgment before this. Then it says, Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought His judgment. Huh, He said the meek of the earth are the ones that have wrought or done His judgment. Huh, all the meek of the earth. Well, meek, meek means weak, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. Meek does not mean weak. Moses was the meekest man on earth. You know? Yet he did great and mighty exploits for the Lord. He also had a really bad temper. Okay, so just having a bad temper doesn't necessarily mean you can't be meek before the Lord. Is the point there. Not to say that condones having a bad temper. Okay, but I'm just saying that you cannot correlate the two. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which has wrought his judgment, which has done his judgment. See, God loves it when we seek judgment. True judgment. Okay? Not because we want everybody to go to hell and we want to see everybody thrust down hell for our own carnal desires that are wicked. No, that's not the proper motivation. Okay? But God is a God of judgment. And he has to judge sin. And he's been more than long-suffering and merciful in regard to this country, particularly America. But there comes a time when judgment has to come. And the Bible says judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. The Bible does say, pray that you be counted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon the earth. That's what Jesus said in the Gospels. Pray that you be accounted worthy. Not everybody's going to be accounted worthy. I'm not saying I am. <laughs> okay, so don't, I, I'm not saying this like I have attained to this high and lofty. You know, I, like I've said before, if I got what I deserved, I'd get death and hell. Okay? Yeah, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, the blood He shed to pay my sin debt, that's all I deserve. Okay, so I'm teaching this as much to myself as I am anyone else out there. But he's saying that the meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment, that have sought righteousness and have sought meekness, it may be shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Well, I, I'll be honest, that's kind of where I want to be. <laughs> you know what the Bible also says? It says, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. So if you fear God, that's also indicative of um, protection. Also those that have pled the cause of the widows and the orphans. It's another uh, group that says that the Lord talks about being protected. Now God also knows your heart too. So that has you know, everything to do with your motivation in other words. Isaiah 66.1 says, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? 
And where's the place of my rest? Well, there's really not a whole lot of houses that have been built under the Lord in this country. Why do you say that? Well, because I don't really care what facade you put that church label on. It's a 501c3 entity, a corporate entity that was created through a contract you entered into with the Internal Revenue Service and the government. There's no place, there's no biblical precedent for that whatsoever. We're not supposed to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And that's what they've done. And the thing that gave those entities their existence is the Internal Revenue Service and the government so that they could have their parishioners write it off on their taxes and so that they could get um, subsidies and tax-deductible gifts and this things of this nature. It was, it was motivated out of money. So there's not really a whole lot of, of houses that have been built under the Lord, I believe, in this day and age in America. If you have 99.9, probably 99% of all the churches as 501c3 entities, doesn't mean I think everybody's in those churches are all going to hell. I don't mean that. I'm just saying, you know, there there's a... Uh, I've done several teachings on this, on the 501c3 issue. Just key in 501, the number 501 in my um, search box on my homepage on Sermon Audio, and you'll see all the teachings on that. Isaiah, then the next verse in Isaiah 66 2 says, For all these things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. What does that imply? Fear of God. Poor and contrite spirit. He's humble and meek before the Lord. So anyway, these are just some good things to keep in mind as, as we go over this type of information. Because I'm not about, I'm not coming to you, to you today so I can bestow upon you a boatload of fear of man, or fear of the world, or fear of some situation. We need fear of God. If we have fear of God, there's a lot of other things that will just automatically get taken care of. He's perfectly capable of protecting you. He's perfectly capable of hiding you in the cleft of the rock. Under the covert of thy wings will I make my refuge while these calamities be overpassed. The psalmist says, under the covert or the shelter of God's wings will I make my refuge while these calamities be overpassed. When I went through a really dark, probably darkest time of my life I've ever been through, the only way I could really go to sleep at night was by envisioning myself like the Lord stretched out over me with his wings over me. And I was like under that. Those his wings. I would think about that verse. Under the shelter or the covert of thy wings will I make my refuge while these calamities be overpassed. While the calamities were overpassing overhead. Now in regard to our immediate future, really worldwide, this is probably probably one of the most, if not the most important teaching I've ever done. Just in regard to stuff that we're going to be dealing with and we are dealing with and that we're on the cusp of dealing with right now. Okay, um, So, the first article, I'm going to be going through a series of, of uh, excerpts from different articles that are out there. I'm not going to... What I try to do is trim away as much of the fat so I can just give you, you know, the pertinent facts so that we can cover a lot of ground. This is from the thecuttingedge.org their newsletter section, um, and uh, it was in, the first article is entitled, and this this news most of it is very 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 recent. I'm talking about in the last most of it in the last three to four to five days. 
okay? Uh, because this is something that's changing so quickly and, and progressing so quickly, I felt that it needed to be done in that format. This article starts out, Before we begin, let us re-examine the definitions of the dying capitalist economy and the forming fascist economy. Capitalism is that type of economy in which private individuals own the means of production. The factories, the mines, companies founded by these private individuals then completely then compete openly with one another in the marketplace. No one tells the owners what to produce, how much to produce, or how much to charge. Competition is primarily determinant of prices, and careful attention to the needs and wants of the people within this type of economy determines how much is produced. Capitalism may have its faults, but it has produced the highest standard of living in history for her citizens. The key words underpinning capitalism are free market, minimal government regulation, business ownership solely by private interests. Now, fascism is the economic system of Nazi Germany, the National Socialist Italy, like Mussolini, Imperial Japan. Today, only Japan retains this system. In fascism, private individuals retain control over the means of production, thereby ensuing that the key elements which make capitalism work so well is kept in place. However, the government intervenes to control how much is produced of any item, how many competitors can be making the same item, and how much they can charge. Therefore, the potential for profit lies within the fascist economy. For the most profit lies within the fascist economy because the government can control it and manipulate it. The experiment with Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan proved that fascism does work. We have seen the proper coordination between government and capitalism does work. Not to say that makes it good, but it, it does work. The key words underpinning fascism are severe government regulation, government control, and partial ownership of businesses. The end result of this new global fascist economy is the global economy foretold in Revelation 13, 16 through 18. And if we were just to read that those verses, and, and he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of man, and his number is six hundred, three score, and six. Okay, so that's the ultimate end of, um, let's say, fascism. That's going to be the ultimate end of uh, the fascist economy. The next article from Cutting Edge is entitled, and they have several videos up on Cutting Edge that you can get. This one is called The End Time Money Snare. How to Live Free, uh, and then it's a combination, I guess. The other one is How World Bankers Are Destroying America. So there, if you want to know more about this, you know they've got a lot of good uh, DVDs up on cuttingedge.org. The next article is World Bank Chief Zolik to Supersede G7 with New Constricting Global Body, Creating a Financial, Create, create a New World, a New Financial Order. Uh, this is by... Aaron Dykes of the Jones Report. This was just from October 9th, 2008. In the wake of the global economic fears, World Bank Chief Robert Zolik has proposed a new multilateral steering group suiting our times to replace the G7, which he attacked as no longer effective. Such a group would include 
not only the rich nations, but also the emerging powers like China, India, Brazil, and would be more flexible. Now notice the dynamite revelation of this next segment. We will, they, this is quoted in this article, we will not create a new world simply by remaking the old. It should be numberless, flexible, and over time it could evolve. The bottom line agenda of this planned disaster is to buy the old system capitalism so it can be replaced by the government-controlled, government-regulated system of fascism. Okay, that's, that's, the, that's what's going on right now, just so it's particularly in America. Once these chieftains are, are finished, capitalism will not exist in any part of the developed world. That is, part, that is the plan, and that is the reason for all this financial disaster. See, it's, this has all been pre-planned. Um, really, you could go back over 100 years ago if you really wanted to get technical. The world is getting very close to this kind of complete financial overhaul. The, ne- the next news, quote, reveals just how pervasive this new constricting global body is planned to be, at least initially. So this is another excerpt from that article. And it says, Such a proposal offers the solution for further constriction, like a python, to supersede the G7 nations and impose greater world control. Zolik envisions, now this is this World Bank chief guy, Zolik envisions that the new reforms would bring together over 70% of the world's gross domestic product, 56% of the world's population, 62% of global energy production, the world's major carbon emitters, big donor countries, and the main players in the global capital commodity and exchange rates. Well, again, what this sounds like is a new world order. One world government, one world political system, one world religious system, one world currency. Okay, And this is what the Bible predicted was going to happen. So this shouldn't be anything that we weren't expecting because... The Bible's very clear on this. The scope of this plan is truly breathtaking. In one fell swoop, this Illuminati insider is revealing the immediate goal of the planned crisis. See, this is the immediate goal of the planned crisis. All this is happening for a reason. Before the Antichrist arises, the economies of the entire world will most likely fall under the control of this python. But for now, virtually the entire developed world is falling under this control. This is all the precursor events that happen up until the time when the Antichrist arises. Now, again, I'm not a date setter. I can't say exactly who's going to arise on this date or, or, or you know, this or that, but it's definitely still fulfillment of biblical end time prophecy in Scripture. Now, Zolik utters the now Zolik utter the words "New World Order" in the next quote. Zolik joins numerous banks and leaders such as Gordon Brown in calling for financial new world order. For a new financial world order. That's a quote. He also echoes proposals last month from Jeffrey Gartin, a protege of the Bilderberger Henry Kissinger, for a new global monetary authority, sovereignty, as stated here. This would be a vestigial formality under the new world body as it seduces its new victims. Again, the World Bank and the IMF would be the real power behind the chic new multilateral group and would clearly make key decisions. Thus, this plan calls for individual national sovereignty to be surrendered to the global authorities, the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund. Can you see the new global financial order developing here? The financial system will evolve into a global system of Revelation 13. Now we learn that both Democrat and Republican parties are in lockstep with this plan. 
Zolik points out that both Obama and McCain are in lockstep on the decision to strengthen the sinews of America's ties with the world. So in other words, they're both on board. See, you have to understand something. Everything at, at the upper, particularly at the upper, upper levels of politics has all been predetermined and all pre-planned. All this stuff on the news right now about Obama and McCain is fodder for the human mind. It's to keep our eyes focused on something while all of this other stuff is going down. Not, sa- not saying this didn't get any press. But these, Obama and McCain, you know, it's just two wicked sides of the same coin. Okay? And if people, you know, a, a lot of people are saying, oh yeah, we, we can't have Obama and we can't, I mean, yes, I don't want Obama in there, okay? I admit that. I do not want Obama. But they're, what you have to understand is they're both being controlled by the same puppet masters. They would not be in that position if they were not. Okay? So that's what you have to understand. Therefore, it is clear, this is back to this quote, therefore it is clear that the new president would support such widespread reforms with almost unquestionable obedience. Therefore, so in other words, it doesn't really matter who's in there as far as the president. Everybody that's in, whether it's Bush, McCain, or Obama, they're all on board. Therefore, Zolik said changing times will require the World Bank and IMF to step in and act quickly. The statement simultaneously verifies two key cutting-edge teachings. Number one, there's absolutely no difference between the Democrat and Republican parties. As leaders of both parties are equally committed to the New World Order plan in all of its aspects. And again, what this is technically referred to as the Hegelian dialectic, where you have problem-reaction-solution. Thesis-antithesis equals synthesis. Okay, that's what we're dealing with here. Ultimately, it's still the agenda they're wanting to push they're just inching us toward it and they've been doing this for a long long time the second point regarding what cutting edge was teaching is the nations of the world are quickly leading us into the situation where they will be expected to follow the global edicts with unquestionable obedience once the antichrist and his false prophet are on the world scene they will demand unquestionable obedience from all the world leaders isn't it exciting to see the prophecies the book of revelation and daniel being fulfilled in our daily news number three once they deliberately create a disaster the illuminati demands that their solution be acted upon quickly and without delay in other words this this financial um implosion that's taking place has been created by them it's been pre-planned for a long time it says once they deliberately create a disaster if, if you are a 33rd degree mason um, the motto of the 33rd degree mason is ordo ab cow in latin which means order out of chaos they create the chaos and supposedly bring their order in this case it's literally the new world order okay so again this is how they think this is how the devil thinks remember he's of he's you know the father of lies and they are of their father, and of his works they will do. Meaning these wicked people and these high institutions. So, that way, thinking and discerning people do not have the opportunity to, to demand a careful and deliberate solution. That way, demand for immediate action was carried out during the passage of the infamous Patriot Act One, where congressmen got their copy of the huge bill only hours before they were expected to vote yay. And that, that's going on increasingly more and more and more. You're hearing this. They even threatened um, a few of the um, 
uh, people that voted on the bailout uh, uh, in the government officials with uh, martial law if they didn't approve the bailout, particularly the second go-around. They were threatening them, saying, well, if you don't approve this, we're, we're going to have martial law. You know, so... Now, I'm not making that up. That's a proven fact. They've, they've admitted to it. There was, In fact, there's all kind of internet um, videos on that right now where they were admitting it. In other words, it's like the Bush administration is becoming more and more brazen. So let us return to this featured article for the bottom line understanding. Once again, a global solution for a global problem. Demand will be reduced and allowances will be tightly controlled under a sustainable existence where people and nations alike will be bound by global institutions pretending to save the world. Remember the oft-quoted remark by New Age author Bill Cooper uh, in Behold a Pale Horse, page 27. The secret societies were planning as far back as 1917 to invent an artificial threat. In order to bring humanity together in a one-world government, they call the New World Order. 1917, he says this goes back to. As we... As we revealed some months ago, five global crises have been created to force a global government. They've got a uh, news report, uh, 2193, where it's entitled, Five Major Created Global Disasters Are Being Constantly Preached to the World as Reasons to Form the Global New World Order. And again, with Cutting Edge, uh, you do have to pay to, to access uh, all their articles. Not some of them, but, but most of them. And um, I think it's like, 20 or 25 a year or something like that and, and it's I, I believe it's well worth the money because he's got some really you know cutting edge stuff no pun intended so if we go further remember this fact the Illuminati does not want a real collapse they only want a perceived collapse so they can ram their bold plans down the throats of the panicked people the next article G7 world leaders are streaking to Washington D.C. to solve the current disasters Posed by this current economic crisis. This is a news brief from Breibart News. This is October 9th again. And it's entitled, World Finance Chiefs Heading for Washington for Crunch Talks. Finance chiefs from the world's richest nations are set to meet in Washington for a crucial but uncertain meeting at a time of unprecedented fear about the global financial system. The Group of Seven meeting will bring together finance ministers and central bankers on Friday from the United States. This is this last Friday, or it's Sunday today. From the United States, Germany, Japan, France, Britain, Italy, and Canada for some collective thinking on the credit crunch and crashing stocks. Um, Cutting Edge says, You can rest assured that the solution toward these G7 ministers are supposedly working is a solution planned many, many years ago. And, and it is these. And if these talks fail, it will be because the Illuminati wants exponentially to drive the pressure upward, so that people will panic even more and will demand that the global elite carry them, carry out whatever action they deem necessary in order to restore order, financial stability, and wealth to the financial system. Please take time to read the news articles which reveal the government's ownership, government control, and government regulation with the financial crisis that it provides. Now, I understand with this bailout, you know, that the government is taking over more and more and more, essentially buying up and buying out the private sector. And this is where we get into the whole concept of fascism. Because the government now is seizing control of institutions they have no business seizing control of. Uh, the first article they recommend reading, and I'm just going to read you the titles. It's, this is from CNBC News. 
These are all from October 9th, save one was October 8th. U.S. government to start buying stakes in banks by month's end. They're going to be buying up the banks. The next one is from Bloomberg Financial News. UK may own 30% of big banks in bailout plan. UK, 30% of banks. People's Daily Online says EU calls for greater bailout bid. Bloomberg Financial. Paulson says US to use all authorities in crises. Now, the next article is from a guy named Lyndon LaRoche, this big-time economist, and it's entitled, A New Monetary System is the Only Option for Humanity Now. That's what he says. This is from Washington, D.C. This was back in May 1st, but it's as pertinent today, more pertinent right now than it was back then. In his opening statement at the LaRoche Pack webcast in Washington, D.C., Lyndon LaRoche emphasized the urgent necessity of replacing the hopelessly bankrupt world monetary financial system. Now, he's not just saying America. He's saying the whole world monetary financial system. And again, what we're going to have initially is, once we get into this, is a one-world currency. It's going to be bigger than even the Amero or the Euro. It's going to be a one-world currency. That's what Lyndon LaRoche is saying, that we have to have in order for humanity to survive. That's what he says, not what I say. Okay. He says then what must happen if civilization is to be continued on this planet? I mean, nothing like taking the Lord Jesus Christ totally out of the picture. It's all, you notice this is all man-centered. Every solution is, no, it's, there's no talk of turning to the Lord Jesus Christ and these types of things. And, you know, I just thought I should mention that because it's, it's never even a part of their equation. But their, their father is of, you know, the devil, so they're not going to, they're, they're not going to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in, um, in regard to this matter. So he says, what must happen if civilization is to be continued on this planet, it must happen very rapidly, is that the United States must enter into an agreement with Russia, China, India, and other countries to establish immediately an emergency new international monetary system based in conception on the president precedent of Franklin Roosevelt's launching of the Bretton Woods system in the period of 1944-45 this must happen and it can happen. LaRoche continued, Russia has already indicated through President Putin repeatedly and through others, and I have some considerable investigation in this matter, an interest in working together with the United States, perhaps not, perhaps not with the jokers who are presently sitting in Washington, in the White House, in similar places. In other words, to have this one world currency. Then he goes on to say, that is the only option for humanity right now. The time frame is immediate. You talk about a fear monger. You know, I, I got this guy that, that, that feeds me all this these um, this LaRoche guy stuff. You know, you talk about a fear monger. You talk about a guy that's on board for the New World Order. Then he goes on to say, because this entire system is presently hopelessly bankrupt, it is being held together by pins and needles and chewing gum. Well, I mean, I agree. I agree. Um, but... You know, this guy's very, very aggressive. He's more aggressive than, than just about anybody I've seen. Now, um, anyway, so that was that was his take on things. Here's another article from Bloomberg. This was from October 10th, okay, just two days ago. And it's entitled, Berlusconi says leaders may close world markets. By Steve Schreier, this is Bloomberg News, October 10th. And he says, Italian Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi said 
political leaders are discussing the idea of closing the world's financial markets while they, quote, rewrite the rules of international finance. The idea of suspending the markets for a time it takes to rewrite the rules is being discussed. Berlusconi said that after a cabinet meeting in Naples, Italy, a solution to the financial crisis, quote, can't just be for one country, or even just for Europe, but global. Okay, so they're talking about suspending the world markets so that they can rewrite the rules and establish a global solution. Do you see how this is very, very New World Order oriented? How it very much lines up with Daniel and Revelation in regard to this one world system? Here's another one. This is from Reuters, uh, entitled, Global Bank Holiday Worth a Thought. Uh, and foreign exchange analytics David Gilmore says markets should prepare for another coordinated rate cut next week. Now that's the week we're going into now. And I believe, um, well here, I'll just read this. And this time he predicts Japan, with its 0.5% benchmark rate, will participate. He adds that, quote, While I would not count on a global bank holiday next week, one would make sense to me particularly with the scheduled U.S. and Japanese bank holidays on Monday. So in other words, I believe it's Columbus Day on Monday. So that's considered a bank holiday. But we're talking about um, something that would extend the supposed bank holiday. And again, the reason they would do that is, is um, you know, to rework things, to establish or move us toward this global banking system. He says, quote, again, this is a remote option, but it's not to be ruled out. The main focus, he says, must be on government efforts to to restore solvency in the banking system, and that process will be taking place in Washington and not on Wall Street. Well, a lot of people, I I had put out something previously of a guy that had predicted a global bank holiday, and again, I always try to to put out a a warning saying, you know, listen, I can't say 100% this is going to happen, but there's sure a lot of people that are posturing toward that, okay, so, um, and again, that's why we're going over several different articles today, they pretty much all point to the same conclusion, this next article is entitled, Worst Week for Global Markets Since 1929, this is from October 11th, okay, um, and today's the 12th, so this was just yesterday, so again, this is pretty up-to-the-minute news as far as what I get into. World stock market values plummeted Friday. This was last Friday. And in a week that saw the biggest collapse in shares since 1929. Do you understand what I just read? The biggest collapse in shares since 1929, the start of the Great Depression? That's exactly what I'm in reference to. The looming threat of a world depression provided the backdrop for a meeting of finance ministers from G7 industrialized countries who gather in Washington for emergency talks with U.S. Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson and Federal Reserve Board Chairman Ben Bernanke. After a day of panic selling on markets from Asia to Europe, the Latin America and wild swings on the U.S. stock market, the G7 issued a statement that pledged to place the resources of their respective countries at the disposal of the most powerful banks. So these G7, the the top financial uh, nations in the world, the G7 
issued a statement that pledged to place the resources of their respective countries at the disposal of the most powerful banks. In other words, oh, Mr. Banker, we'll do whatever you want. We're the, we're the seven most powerful countries and we'll, we'll do whatever it takes. And the bankers are the most corrupt, wicked, and evil institutions just about on the planet. And they're just basically saying, okay, we'll, we'll just submit to you, Mr. Banker. Then it goes on to say, but it failed to outline any specific coordinated action to stem the slide to economic disaster. Paulson issued a statement and held a press conference following the meeting to announce that the U.S. government would use virtually unlimited authority granted it under the $700 billion Wall Street bailout passed one week before by Democratic Congress to begin directly buying stock in banks and financial firms. This is fascism. The government is buying up the stocks in the banks and the financial firms. And then it says, an expansion of the government transfer of taxpayer funds to the most powerful sections of the financial um, aristocracy. So in other words, the government is transferring its, the, the funds from the taxpayers to the most powerful sections of the financial aristocracy. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. One of the main goals of the Illuminati, and it's been well known, and I've stated this on several occasions, is to destroy the middle class of America. Okay, And, and that's, what, that's what this is all about, what's going on right now. And if they can devalue the money to pennies... Literally on the dollar, like if your dollar is like worth two cents or something. I don't care if you've got a million dollars in savings. It's not going to be worth a whole lot. Major stock exchanges in Asia and Europe registered losses on Friday, even greater than the 7.3% drop in Wall Street's Dow Jones Industrial Average on Thursday. Japan's Nikkei index fell 9.6% to its lowest value in five years. Since the start of the week, it has lost 24% of its value. Hong Kong's Hansing index plummeted 7.2%. Australia's S&P, ASX, 200 index fell 8.3%. In other words, the point I'm trying to make here is that this is global. This isn't just the United States. In Europe, the pan-European Dow Jones, Stokes 600, fell 7.5%, which ranks among the worst one-day performances on record for the index. London's FTSE finished Friday down 8.9%. Since its last peak in June of 2007, it has declined 43%. Friday marked the British index's fifth consecutive losing day, during which it lost 20% of its value over a five-day period. I mean, this is really serious stuff for, as far as an economic thing. France's SCAC 40 index fell 6.8%. Germany's DAX 30 plunged 7%. Trading in Italy, Russia, and Australia was halted. The last of Iceland's major banks collapsed and was taken over by the government. Iceland's done. They're done. Okay, <laughs> Iceland. The the president of Iceland. I, I read this article. He just told the whole population to go fishing. That's what he said. He said, "Just go fishing." You know, we have a lot of natural resources. He went on to say that. You know, in, in other words, you know, uh, th- that's been totally taken over by the government. So that is fascism. They are they're absolutely totally under fascism. Not to say America's not. Okay, but the M. SCI World Index, a measure of international share prices, was down 19% for the week, its worst performance since records began in 1970. 
An indication that the financial crisis is now plunging the world economy into major recession is the fact that alongside bank stocks, oil shares in oils, metal, and other basic resources, firms fell sharply. What we are witnessing is a mass selling on a global scale due to a combination of sheer panic and fear. Combined, fear of man, I should add, combined with the complete uncertainty over the future of the world's major economies. Now remember, the Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. What we're talking about today is the fear of man, or the fear of the situation. It's not the fear of God. Okay, we want to always dwell on having the fear of God, not the fear of man. Because if you're, if you're motivated by the fear of man, you're going to make the wrong decisions. So understand that you have to have that biblical balance there. Or you should have it, I should say. The Bible talks about that he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. The, you know, the man, the, the Bible believer. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. And what does trust imply? Faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So a lot of this does always end up boiling back to the Word of God, and having faith in His Word, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, and and, and not dwelling on the situation, maybe yes, to be made aware of it, lest we be destroyed for lack of knowledge, this type of thing. But again, there should be a biblical balance with what we're talking about today here. Okay? Because so much of the time, I'll, I'll hear exposés on these types of reports, and even coming from Christians, and it's just purely, we, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ isn't even mentioned. It's as though He's not even on the throne. It's as though, you know, this is all taking Him unawares, and, and He's not aware of what, you know, we're facing or what we're going through and these types of things, and He's perfectly aware of it. And this is, and this, and this is part of the strong delusion, I believe, that the Bible talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that the Lord says He was going to send. Going back to this article, in the U.S., most stocks ended lower after the wildest intraday swing in history. Okay, so, (laughs) this is the worst week for the global stock market since 1929. That's why I kind of waited to do this teaching, because I really wanted to make sure that this was something that was you know, that, that I really needed to delve into at this particular time. Worst week for global stock markets since 1929. The U.S., in the U.S., most stocks ended lower after the wildest intraday swing in history ever. For the first time in its 112-year existence, the Dow Jones Industrial Average gyrated in a range of more than 1,000 points. That's how unstable things are, in other words. Okay, we're talking serious instability. That marked the eighth straight losing session for the index, which gave up more than 1,870 points, or 18.2% in the course of one week. The weekly loss outstripped the week that ended July 22, 1933, in the depths of the Great Depression, which registered a 17% drop in one week. And then, the weeks were six days of trading. Now it's only five. We still beat it with five days. We were at 18.2%. In 1933, the worst week ever, uh, in the depression of 19, um, the, the 1933, the Great Depression, it was a 17 point drop. 17% drop, I should say. 
So, I mean, that is something that's pretty noteworthy. Since its record value, since its record high a year ago, the Dow has lost 40.3%, wiping out 8.4 trillion in stock values. 40.3%? It was the worst week ever for Wall Street, with both Dow, the worst week ever, with both the Dow and the S&P 500 recording their biggest weekly loss in point as well as percentage terms. If this isn't a crisis, I don't know what it, as far as economically, okay? There is a, a downward spiral of fear, said Richard Sparks, senior equities analyst at the Schaefer's Research Investment Research. The seize up of credit markets showed no signs of lifting. Banks are hoarding their cash and refusing to lend to other banks or charging usurious interest rates. Oh, thank you. Because they have no confidence in the other banks' solvencies. So they're trying to hold on to their cash because they know all the other banks are going down and so everybody's holding on to their money at this point. You know. Now, again, I, I have a lot of strong feelings about the whole banking system and the, uh, I think God does too. The Lord Jesus Christ said in His Word that He abhors unjust scales and balances over and over and over, particularly in the book of Proverbs. Okay, And what we have in the modern-day banking institutions is nothing more than unjust scales and balances, usury. Uh, we've got all forms of abomination. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's the motivation. I sent out a little video, um, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, that it was a little cartoon, and it's really good, and you can watch, and it shows you how the modern-day banking system evolved. And just the incredible corruptness and ungodliness of the whole thing. The Bible says that the borrower is slave to the lender. So, borrowing money from banking institutions is not biblical. What does that also imply? Having a mortgage is not biblical either. You're in debt. The borrower is slave to the lender. Now, I'm not coming down on somebody that, you know, this probably, if it's the first time you've ever heard this, this type of thing, okay? I've made a lot of stupid mistakes myself, and I admit that, okay? Um, but I have, in as much as possible, since I found these things out, I have tried to come out and get myself out from under this debt bondage, because that is what it is. It's like you're in a spider web, and you can't get out, and the spider's coming toward you. Uh, so this is something that we should we should have been striving to get out of. The word mortgage means death contract. Mort is where we get the word mortuary, mortality, these types of things. Mort means death. Gage means contract, death contract. So when you sign a mortgage, you're in a death contract. Okay. So again, the borrower is slave to the lender. The Bible says to owe no man anything. Okay. For these type, but to love them, you know. So again, there's just not a lot of biblical precedent for getting in debt. There is none, actually. A new stage has been reached in the economic crisis which has moved far beyond the situation that existed even three weeks ago when the Bush administration announced its bailout plan for the banks and insisted it was the only way to avert a market meltdown and severe recession. This is one of the reasons I didn't do this study right away because I wanted to really see what is going to be the fruits of this wonderful economic bailout plan. Well, now we're seeing nothing has changed. In fact, it's got even worse. And yet they were making all these guarantees this is going to make all the difference in the world, and it was all lies. Okay, so that's one of the reasons I waited to do this, because I really wanted to see 
you know, you remember that lie that they told us back then? Oh yeah, well, hasn't changed anything. If, if anything, um, they're saying it was the only way to avert a market meltdown and severe recession. Well, that's that's accelerated as far as I can see. That supposed panacea designed to cover the losses of the biggest banks and facilitate a further consolidation of financial power in their hands has done nothing to stem the crisis, nor could it. Since it did not address the underlying rot in the industrial base of the American capitalism, now the crisis is rapidly engulfing the broader economy, heralding a wave of plant closures, cutbacks, and every branch of economic life. President Bush made another White House appearance Friday morning in a futile attempt to revive confidence in financial markets. Aside from clearly, aside from making clear that his administration has decided to begin buying equity stakes, and I don't mean like stakes like Flay Mignon or, you know, Delmonico or any of those. No, these are equity stakes, S-T-A-K-E-S. So his administration has decided to begin buying equity stakes in order to inject more capital into U.S. banks. He had nothing to add to his previous remarks on the crisis. Well, we've had a privately owned uh, banking system in America for a long time. I mean, interlinked with the government. It's called the Federal Reserve. And they're linked up with the U.S. Treasury. (laughs) They print our money and there's nothing back in the money. There's no gold or silver back in the money at all. It hasn't been for a long time since the 60s. So again, that's a whole of the rabbit trail. I'm not even going to go down. But um, He, President Bush, declared that the federal government has a comprehensive strategy to resolve the crisis without explaining the abject failure of the previous strategy. It's as though we've already forgotten about the, the abject failure of the $700 billion bailout that they were threatening these, these uh, congressmen with martial law if they didn't pass. Bush has come to symbolize the disarray not only in financial markets, but also at the highest levels of government. Even as he spoke, the Dow began falling. That's how much confidence, you know, the uh, financial sector has in him. So even as he spoke, the Dow began falling and was down more than 300 points minutes after he finished speaking. Summing up the prevailing attitude toward Bush and other political leaders, Howard Silverblatt Senior index analyst at Standard & Poor's said, quote, People are scared. Nobody believes what is coming out of the mouth of politicians or chief executives. End of quote. Now, there's that old expression, how do you know a politician's lying? If his lips are moving. Okay, and that's about as bad as it's become. Okay, seriously, I mean, it's, it's about that bad, particularly at the upper levels. You know they're lying to you. Just, just understand that, that the fodder that's put on the mass media that's controlled by the Illuminati elite, by the, whatever you want to call them, New World Order boys, it's purely for, for our benefit to placate and to brainwash the masses. Okay, so please don't, don't believe everything you're seeing on TV. All the proposals to deal with the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, whether from the Bush administration and the Democrats and Republicans in the U.S. or the governments of Europe and Asia, have one thing in common. They all proceed from the need to maintain and defend the interests of the financial aristocracy. Oh, we've got to protect them. We've got to protect the rich because they need to keep getting richer. And us sheeple people, we need to just be dumbed down and, 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 and you know do what we need to. We just need to obey. That's essentially their, 
their only interest is in defending the financial aristocracy. None of the measures address the social tsunami that is about to engulf the working class. As for the multimillionaires and billionaires who monopolize the economy and dominate the U.S. government, they will remain as ruthlessly preoccupied with their personal enrichment as ever. As the New York Times reported on Friday, a sticking point in the government plan to purchase stock from the banks with taxpayer money is is the existence of token provisions in the bailout imposing certain limitations on the pay of top executives. Oh, we can't have that. We can't have certain limitations on the top pay of on the pay of top executives. The Times wrote, quote, it is not clear Administration officials said that the largest American banks would agree to this, particularly given the restrictions on executive pay. As though we should be worrying about these devils at the top of the banking scheme that they make sure they get paid, as though they're not already rich enough, and as though they're not the ones that have orchestrated this whole thing. The events of Friday accumulating two weeks of mounting financial crisis and a flurry of measures by governments to prop up their banking systems at public expense confront the working people of the world with the prospect of a rapidly rising unemployment, poverty, and social misery. This next article is entitled, Potential Economic Seizure Dead Ahead. This is from the market-ticker.deninger, D-E-N-I-N-G-E-R.net. Oh, and I should have said before, I'm going to have just about every single one of these articles in a PDF format with this teaching. So you can go up and you can click into them and sometimes there's links that you know you can click into and you can explore further. And uh, if you want to read the full, full articles from all these, you can um, click on the PDF. I'll either have the full whole article up there or the actual um, link to go to it. So this is from um, Carl Denninger of the market ticker uh, .deniger.net he's entitled this this is now a national emergency this was posted two days ago October 9th 2008 7 trillion dollars of wealth has vaporized in US stocks in the last 7 days alone 7 trillion dollars in wealth I talked to uh, one of my mom's friends um and she said that her mom had stocks, and she said that um, they're going there as soon as possible to cash in the stocks because they've lost $100,000 in value. $100,000. And I don't know if it was in the last week or two, but it was in that time range, two, one or two or three weeks. A lot of people's wealth... I, you know, I really believe that God is permitting this to happen, too. I really do. Because people have put in their, their faith and their hope and their trust in their wealth. And I believe what's going to happen is the Lord's going to take a lot of that away. And He is going to test us. I believe the time of testing is truly upon the United States. Now, there's a lot of other countries, they've been tested. They have been being tested. You know, if you're a Christian in China, or in India, or in Africa, where you might face death every day, you know, God bless you. You know, I don't feel like I'm worthy to carry your shoes. I really don't. Because I don't know what that's like. Now, I may, very shortly, and I'm not praying that it happens, but, you know, I think it's a, it's a matter of time before this stuff starts to go down here, is the point. So, $7 trillion of wealth has been vaporized in U.S. stocks in the last seven days alone, with five of it since the passage of that ill-designed and foolhardy bailout bill. The sell-off this afternoon is the real deal. 
It was not caused by the stock market getting mad. It was caused by the short-term credit market along with the treasury market suddenly dislocating in a few minutes before the bond pit closed at 2 p.m. Now, this is a real insider type of guy, so he writes in a way that, you know, I don't understand every single term he's using, but I just wanted to touch on some of his points here. He says, worse is the fact that the institutional lending has essentially disappeared, both between the banks and is now choking off commercial short-term credit across the board. Well, again, you know, this whole bank lending thing, you know, it, it, it's, it's not biblical, it's not godly. Okay, but and when you start to put yourself your trust in something that's unbiblical and ungodly, eventually it's going to come back to bite you. And that's what we're seeing here. It doesn't get any more serious than this, this man says. To repeat, short-term commercial credit is threatening to completely disappear from the American scene. Every action our government has thus taken, including repealing market-to-market requirements, have made the situation worse by further destroying confidence. Sovereign debt, that is, our treasuries from various nations, has become infected with trash, unfortunately including ours now that Fannie and Freddie were nationalized and TARP has been passed and may fail in a cascade-style fashion across the world. If this occurs, our ability to fund the government will be cut off as well, leading to a huge leading to a need to reduce government spending by $8 billion a year immediately. This means huge and immediate cuts to Social Security, Medicare, and military budgets by as much as half. What if you're on Social Security and all of a sudden you're getting half your check? Social Security is a matter of time before it's bankrupt, I'm telling you right now. So that's a proven fact, okay? They're going to start pulling money from everywhere, to try to keep propping up and propping up and propping up. But it's it's like it's like a dead man walking. You know, it's just can only walk you can only prop that dead man up so long till it finally falls. And again, then they're gonna have the whole solution, meaning this global monetary system. Or possibly at bare minimum, a regional currency like the Amero, North American Union. We're gonna talk about that more too. They might want to just try to leapfrog that whole thing. I don't know. It's it's hard to be dogmatic, but essentially we're definitely moving in that direction, though. Over a year ago, I warned in my writings that this could happen if we did not take action, if we did not force accountability through Congress and, and onto our financial system, if we did not force the thieves, the liars, the thugs on Wall Streets to take their medicine. Instead of taking action, we sat on our backsides and allowed Congress to pass bailout after bailout. Now our stock market's are down close to 40% from the top, which 20% of that loss coming just over one week. We are facing a global depression and the cutoff of essential goods and services in this nation if we do not stop this lunacy immediately. Notice if we. It's as though it's all up to the people. This is why I'm very cautious about what, you know, what, let's say, Ministries or sources I'll recommend because so almost every single time when you run into this stuff, it's all man centered. It's never the Lord Jesus Christ centered. It's always man centered. What are we going to do about it? You know, you know what we should be doing about it? Getting on our knees and seeking the Lord Jesus Christ and seeking His will in this, in regard to this situation, in regard to the inevitability of this situation. Getting our own house in order, getting our own selves right with the Lord is really our primary obligation. 
this isn't going to be stopped. This has been by design, and the Lord's permitting this to happen in order to let and bring about the one world government and the one world political system and the one world currency and the one world religious system of which the Antichrist and the false prophet will arise into. Okay, it's, it's biblical. You can't stop biblical prophecy. I'm not saying we shouldn't try to expose it. That's what we're doing today here and to try to prepare ourselves. And again, this is whole, the whole thing of why I do what, I'm, what I do is so that we can have biblical balance. That we're not operating in this abject fear from this worldly standpoint. Let's, let's combine it with Scripture and understand that this confirms the Bible, what we're talking about today. Now, the dominionists aren't going to think that. Oh, no. They think that Bush is a god and they actually pray to him. I've actually seen things where, where a lot of these dominionists, uh, a lot of them of the Pentecostal charismatic persuasion, actually have cardboard cutouts and they, you know, they think Bush is this whatever. And as a result of that thinking, they've given him a totally a free pass to do whatever pretty much that he wants. So, you know, we've got a lot of this going on. And the dominionists think it's going to get better and better and better. Until Jesus Christ has no choice but to come back and take over. You know, the preterists say all the things in, in Revelation already happened at 70 AD. So, you know, we've got all these different uh, theories out there that they're, they're going to have a really rough time explaining the times we're going into. And then it says, please understand. Now, this is where, I guess, the rubber meets the road, no pun intended. He's giving examples here. Please understand, the trucker who has a full load of food headed for your grocery requires commercial credit in order to fill his truck with diesel. Now, I don't agree with that system. I don't agree with credit. Why? Because you're borrowing money from the corrupt banks. It should have never been this way. Have your bills paid. Pay it at the time. Why do, why do we have to operate on credit? Because we're so entrenched, because that's the way it is, and the system is irretrievably broken, and it's the way it's entrenched. So it's a foregone conclusion now, but the thing is, is it should have, the point is it should have never evolved and degenerated into the system that it is now. Okay, but that's neither here nor there. That's just a comment I'm making. So please understand, the trucker who has a full load of food headed for your grocer requires commercial credit in order to fill his truck with diesel. The local gas station requires commercial credit to fill his underground storage tanks. Now again, this credit-based system has finally caught up to the U.S. and other places. It is just about bled dry is the point we're trying to make. And then, okay, let's carry it further. The local car dealer requires commercial credit to have cars and parts in his or her dealership. No credit, no car, and no car repairs. The manufacturer over in China requires commercial credit or letters of credit from buyers of banks to be able to ship those goods to America, where you can buy them. If the bank over there won't take an LOC from the bank, letter of credit, suddenly you have no tires, no DVDs, and other similar products to buy. If these markets do not immediately unfreeze, the consequence will be that food and fuel, along with all other manner of commercial Consumer goods may not flow to your grocery store and gas station, and I mean very soon. You understand what I'm saying here? We are quite literally out of time. The freeze in the markets will continue around the globe unless something is done now. Every intervention and promise made by our government thus far, all of them have been lies. So you can see I'm not the only one calling these guys liars. These guys aren't even Christians, the ones I'm quoting here. And they're, they're all saying the same thing too. 
or gov- of course they're not they're always pointing to the man-centered solution you know it's sad and I pray to God they get saved but to them this is the closest they're ever going to get to heaven to a man that's on earth that has built his little life up and had his little house and his boats and cars and all his toys this is the closest they're ever going to get to heaven and for a born again Christian that's you know living here and this type of thing this is the closest we're ever going to get to hell so see their priorities are different in other words this is their little this is as close as they're going to get to heaven everything's man centered man based it's like satan when he fell i will ascend unto the sides of the north i will be like the most high it's all about me 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 i i i and even the even the rich man in the bible it talked about he filled his barns with grain and he did this and he set his soul at ease and 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 the lord said to him thou fool this night thy Life, thy soul will be required of thee. So again, I always want to bring it back to the Bible here because we have to have biblical balance looking at this subject. This goes on to say, our government has nothing to alleviate the problem and in fact, every one of their solutions have made the situation worse going back for more than a year. And again, all they're doing is passing these bailouts so they can pass it on to their buddies in the aristocracy. It's one big corrupt rat's nest. This is no longer just about your retirement savings and house. Although that's important, now it's quite literally about the ability of ordinary commerce to continue and essential goods and services, food and fuel among them to reach our markets. Now you see how easily martial law could be imposed in a system like this? It would be no hard thing for martial law to be imposed in regard to the system that I'm talking about here right now. I'm going to go further. I'm going to try to get in two teachings, get this into one teaching, or two teachings, Uh, So I'm going to go another five minutes here, and then we'll go to part two. This next article is from October 9th, and um, that last article was from October 9th. Okay, so again, this is pretty pretty recent. I I wanted to get the most recent things I could get for you. Uh, This is from Stephen Vincent, and his website is endthefed.us. Endthefed, I believe the Federal Reserve is what they're referenced to, .us. And he says, world markets are plunging in a panic as the banksters have severed access to credit, making investment and speculation impossible. The Dow futures market is showing a nearly 400 point drop in response to a borderline crash in Asia and Europe tonight. It appears Morgan Stanley will be on the next big bank to go under. Now, I've heard that from more than one source. Morgan Stanley will be the next big bank to go under, most likely. In all likelihood, this week we will see the biggest stock market crash in history. Now, hold on. We just saw the biggest stock market crash since 1929 last week. The Great Depression? He says, in all likelihood, this week, this was written on Friday... We will see this biggest stock market crash in history. Rumors abound that municipalities and states will will default on bonds this week. California and Massachusetts look like good candidates. The cessation of many government services and checks could follow. If you're depending on the government for your social security, telling you, Iceland and Pakistan are on the verge of bankruptcy, but Iceland's already over the edge. 
Okay, they're, they're already there. My guess is that we could see disruptions. Now, here's another guy saying this that is totally unrelated to the last guy. And that's why I tried to order these things that I'm talking about today in this specific order so we could get confirmation. My guess is that we could see disruptions in food supply of food within two weeks with food riots within a month. Food riots. If that is the scenario, then we may see the suspension of the election while I can't bring myself to say it. I do not write this casually. I do hope that I am mistaken. I ask God that I be completely wrong. But is what the situation but is but this is what the situation appears to be at the moment. Okay, so this guy seems to be writing this with fear and trembling toward the Lord. Today, the Dow Jones plunged 600 points in the final hour of trading, or 7% in one hour. It should not have done so. It was set up for a rally. That it has done so is a clear indication that a total market meltdown and financial economic crash is upon us. The banksters having enslaved formerly free markets to the cheap, sleazy drug of easy credit, remember we were just talking about easy credit, have now cut off the addict from its supply. What does that mean? Well, let me read it again. The banksters having enslaved formerly free markets to the cheap, sleazy drug known as easy credit have now cut off the addict to its drug supply. See, they were the ones that created the credit system. Now they've cut off the addict. So many people just live on credit. Well, I buy everything on credit. As though that's the way it was in Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jesus had a credit card. He went around and he got in debt. And, and the apostles did too. And they ran up their credit cards like crazy. And they lived off credit. They didn't do any of that. None of that. We are now seeing the re, the retching of withdrawal and the tremors of death of the global economy. Well, at least the present day one. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and end part one there. We'll go to part two next.